Hello, everybody. This is the Way of the Wayfarer podcast, and I'm Rodrigo. And over here with me is Perry Keeve. Here I am. Perry recently came back from a trip to South Africa. Yes. Where he spoke at a conference. And to his shame, brought no one in his life any souvenirs. Either myself, his wife, his one and only child, although he has one on the way. I do. But Perry Keeve does not like to buy gifts to people. <laughs> I will say, and for the first time ever, that intro was completely true. <laughs> <laughs> completely. Though I did bring something back, it wasn't from me, it was from them. Right, which doesn't count. Child, so. And speaking <laughs> of not sharing, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about evangelism. Oh, come on, good segue. <laughs> <laughs> For once, it's a sound, <laughs> logical segue. There we go. There we go. So if you would like to, uh, for Perry to repent of his stingy ways, uh, <laughs> make sure that you leave a comment so he knows how much uh, he needs to change and be right. a better man. I'll go back to South Africa. <laughs> and uh, bring right, something. Right. <laughs> At least on your next trip. Anything, man. A keychain. <laughs> I don't know. Anything, Perry. No, amen. But, uh, Perry, this is a conversation that we've talked about having for a while. Yes. Uh, we actually sort of had this conversation already, but because of technical failures, we had to have it again. Amen. It's good but though. I'm glad because even from the last time we had this talk to this one, I think my con my conviction on this particular topic has even uh, deepened even more. Okay. And uh, just to establish what we're talking about, uh, let's talk about what we can disagree on. Okay. Not that you and I disagree on this, but maybe sure. some people out there on the interwebs may. Uh, evangelism is one of the most uh, foundational, important uh, activities that we are supposed to partake in as Christians. Sure, yes. There is no debating that uh, Jesus left Christ Christians with a task mm -hmm. to go and talk to other people about him right. and save people from their sin right. and all of those things. Absolutely. Uh, however, I do think that we tend to talk about evangelism in a very, uh, talk, not only talk about evangelism, but do evangelism in uh, a very one-dimensional way. And okay. basically, this is what I want to talk about today, and I hope this is a good analogy. Mm -hmm. I think we tend to do evangelism on uh, one lane, if you will, when I think evangelism and bringing the kingdom to people mm -hmm. should happen more, should be more of a highway. Okay. If okay. that makes sense. Sure, sure. And, and just so that we understand each other, right? I don't have an issue with evangelism. I don't have an issue with evangelism as a practice. I think it's something that we should all do. I think we, we need to bring people to Christ. Uh, I do, however, feel like at times... Uh, it is a practice that uh, we don't do justice to, especially when you compare what we do to a lot of what Jesus did. Okay. All right? And so uh, through the course of this whole conversation, one of the terms that I'm going to repeat, and I just want to bring it up off the bat uh, for, so that I don't have to explain it every time, uh, 
most of us and most churches that I've been a part of uh, do what I like to call appointment-based evangelism, okay. right? Which throughout the course of my life as a Christian has looked many different ways. Like at some point I was part of a campus ministry and as part of that campus ministry every week uh, or several times a week, we would have what we call Bible talks, right? right? And we would agree to all meet in one place uh, to have a Bible discussion. And what we were supposed to do is bring friends to said Bible discussion, right? right? And then we would talk, and hopefully some people would be interested and then would help uh, one of the, some of those people come to Christ, be baptized, all of those things. Sure. Uh, and a version of that is looked in many different ways. But for the majority of my life as a Christian, I've performed that type of evangelism. Right. Right? Like, right. let's show up at a place, let's go somewhere, let's walk around the neighborhood, knock on some doors, let's go to the mall, all of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, again, to be completely clear off the bat, I don't think is a bad thing. Right. I think it's good. I think it's effective. But I also think that it's only one lane. Mm. And uh, my biggest issue with it is two things. One is that I think it trains people to be evangelistic just under that particular context. Right. And two, I feel like evangelism, biblically speaking, is a multidimensional thing. Right. And so when we're just sort of inviting people to a Bible discussion or to a church event or to any of those things, right, we, we are only bringing one element of the kingdom to people when we're supposed to bring the entirety of the kingdom to people. Right. And so really what I want to talk about today is how do we move, I guess, from appointment-based evangelism to what I like to call more like kingdom-based evangelism. Right, right. That makes sense. And I, I think even as you were talking, you know, I, I lead a campus ministry. Uh, we do a lot of invitations, a lot of meeting people just on the street, cold contact, uh, a lot of, hey, come to this Bible discussion, come here or come there. Um, and and I, I like the fact that you said it it trains people to think only in a certain way. And we'll talk about this as we move forward, but like, it's easy to compartmentalize our Christianity. Sure. You know, we have our little quiet times in the mornings. We have the tasks that we feel like we need to do. I got to share my faith. Um, I got to be nice to people. You know, I, I have to do this, 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 and this. And I've checked off the boxes now to make sure I've done my Christian duty. Where, like you're saying, that's, I think it's not a holistic way to look at things. Christianity is less about what we do and more about who we are. Now, who we are will determine what we do. Sure. But I think we can have a skewed mindset um, of really what it means to be to be a disciple and to evangelize, to share our faith. Because, like you said, appointment-based evangelism is good. But I would even argue it's not even necessarily evangel. It's not sharing any kind of good news. Right. It's inviting someone to a place where hopefully if things are right there, they will hear the good news and experience the good news. But I feel like the disconnect oftentimes is people can be so adamant about sharing their faith, but their lives and even the environments they bring people to maybe sometimes aren't a good reflection of what the good news is trying to say. Exactly. And actually, this is a, a good segue as well, 
We're two for two, Perry. <laughs> because um, you say the good news, which is interesting because when Jesus sort of arrived on the scene, what he came proclaiming were the good news. Right. Right? And uh, recently, I actually read an article about, like, what does the, the gospel, the good news, actually mean? Like, what is the mm-hmm. gospel that Jesus was preaching? Right. And, and let me say this, and I think it's very important for me to say this, because uh, one of the things that we're, that we're dealing with uh, is, is history, because uh, I was reading this article and it made me think about something that I think is 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 great and also uh, can be an obstacle in mm-hmm. a sense. Because the point of the article that I was reading was the fact that when we talk about what the gospel is, we usually talk about like Jesus coming and dying for our sins right. and all of that stuff. The but cross. when Jesus, yeah, the cross. But when Jesus came and talked about the gospel. Uh, what the good news was, was that the kingdom of God was coming. Part of which is people's forgiveness of sins. Right. Part of which is him dying and all that stuff. That is, that is part of the kingdom of God coming. But it is not the only thing. Right. And the kingdom of God, uh, just to give, I guess, a, a brief uh, definition or a brief explanation of what it was... Part of it is that it was literally God's rule coming to earth. Right. And that rule came with certain things. That rule was supposed to come with the restoration of Israel as a nation. That rule was supposed to come with a new king that would never be defeated or Mm -hmm. uncrowned. Mm -hmm. That that kingdom was supposed to come with uh, the blind being able to see and the mute being able to talk and the sick being healed. All of... uh, all of the activities and the the the, uh, the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in us, right. like all of this was part of the coming of the kingdom. Right. All of those things were the good news. Right. And so even when we talk about like sharing the message of God with people, a lot of times we limit it to, hey, come to church, hey, your sins. All these things, when in reality, if we're really wanting to bring the kingdom to people, like we, we need to talk about all of these things. Absolutely. And not only that, but even when you look at the things that Jesus did and the early Christians did to sort of bring the kingdom to people, it was more than just preaching the truth. Mm-hmm. It was like serving the poor right. and helping the sick right. and like literally being a light in the world. Right. And I feel like a lot of times when we do appointment evangelism, yeah, we are trying to bring the truth to people. We're trying to teach them the Bible. We're trying to help them understand their sin and all this other stuff. But I think it's important for us to understand that that's not the only thing that we're supposed to be doing. Right. And it's funny because, you know, in John eight thirty one, it says to the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right. Now, he's not saying, like, obviously, he must be preaching the truth, but it, that scripture implies that they might not even understand the truth unless they start putting these things into practice. And I think one of the biggest obstacles that the modern church has and the modern Christian has is we get caught up in church. 
uh, in the organization of it, in the structure of it, what what denomination you're a part of, this right. or that, and it becomes a like I think there are very faithful people who believe deeply in their church, um, but it becomes this thing of getting more converts or getting more members, and then I honestly I think deep down it's a, it's a validation thing that you know the more people are coming and the more people were we're preaching the truth to it, it must mean that we are a valid group. You right. know, we, we are awesome in the capitalism of Christianity, <laughs> right? Um, when sure. a lot of times these situations can happen, but right. we're actually spiritually bankrupt. Um, I think evangelism starts first and foremost with the integrity of the individual disciple, and then that translates to the integrity of the entire congregation. Because if the congregation preaches a big game... right but doesn't deliver on the things that they're talking about, on the, on the truths and on the... And I'm going to read a scripture a little bit later, but if, if the congregation doesn't deliver on the truth that they're preaching, then we, in effect, become hypocrites. Right. And that's the primary reason why most people don't like appointment evangelism. It's because when they see the Christians out there say, hey, come to this, come to that, they're thinking, I already have the idea that you guys are hypocrites. Why do I want to come to your church? Right. So uh, before we get into sort of like what would a kingdom-based evangelism would look like Mm -hmm. in someone's life, uh, and let me say off the get-go, I don't think that I've necessarily arrived at a super clear picture of, I have some ideas, uh, many of which I think I draw from scripture, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm personally not talking about this in any kind of like, I'm an expert in this. (laughs) I think this is something that I've been thinking and wondering about and wrestling with uh, in the near future, in the recent past, yeah, because, yes, <laughs> bad tense <Come> there. On, prophet. <laughs> in the recent past, because, uh, I, dude, like, I've, and, and now I want to put some, uh, I think, theological flesh on these bones that yeah. we're throwing out here, because that's that's really what's made has made me think about a lot of what we're talking about. And, right. I'll, and I'll give you an example. Um and again, talking about like what were the things that Jesus talked about, mm-hmm. right? Because that's really what's been shifting my mind, coming to a more clear understanding of some of the things that Jesus was preaching about. Is that's what's really sort of shifted my mind to think about a lot of these things. And right. this is uh, in Mark uh, twelve verse twenty eight. It says, uh, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing noticing that Jesus had given them good answer. He asked them of all the commandments. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Lord Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting for a long time uh, when Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, one of the things that I always sort of understood in that is like, love your neighbor as I would love me, mm-hmm. like the sort of basing it on self-esteem thing. Right. And actually, recently, I have discovered that that's not necessarily the best interpretation of that scripture, hmm. because what Jesus is talking about, and I think this is this is something that we totally miss as Westerners, because I think one of the things that's important to understand about the Bible is that. Uh, the in the Bible, community is sort of implied at every turn. Right. And what Jesus is quoting here is a scripture in Leviticus, right, in which that addresses the nation of Israel and how they should love each other. 
But immediately after that, he talks about how they should love the alien amongst them. And what he says is that love the alien amongst you as you do yourself. And what that means, he's not talking about like each Israelite individually, but he's saying like love the alien among you as you would another Jew. Right. And so here he's not talking about like individual love. He's talking about like love your neighbor as you would somebody who you think is your brother, somebody who you think is your uncle. Like love them as, as if they were somebody that was part of your community. Right. Like your neighbor that you're not related to, love them as one of your own. Right. Right. And, and even that, like coming to that understanding, I was like, you know what? Like I've always thought that that meant like I gotta love me first, right? <laughs> right. But no, like th- this is very much alluding to an idea of like, man, the closest people to me, the that guy that works next to me, that guy that lives next to me, my my work, my coworkers, and all these other people, like I'm supposed to love them, right? As if they were part of my own people, right? And. Again, I think when we think of evangelism as sort of like we're going to show up and like share scripture and we're going to show up and like invite people to an event or whatever. Again, I'm not saying that that's bad. Right. But is that really a conduit to do what Jesus says is one of the two most important things for us to do? Right. And a lot of times it's not. Right. Because in just inviting someone to something, in just like preaching the truth, like, is it, again, if that's the only thing we're doing and we're not doing the other part, which is to love these people as if they were one of our own, right? then are we really bringing the kingdom to them? Right, and I'm going to read this scripture, and I don't know if you're going to go to it later or not. Jesus actually quotes the scripture. It's in Isaiah 61. And I, I probably have read this scripture in one of our other discussions before, but I, I think this is very important to the entire concept of the kingdom. Because in Jesus preaching, hey, the kingdom is coming, he opens this scroll and reads this. And it says in Isaiah 61, this, in verse 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And there's a few things that stick out to me about the scripture, but the first is, like, this scripture has, Jesus doesn't say the spirit of the Lord is upon me to invite somebody to a discussion, <laughs> right? Or the right. spirit of the Lord is upon me to get somebody to come to church on a Sunday morning. Right. The things he says here are very, very practical. And they're the things that, like, honestly, like, superheroes go and do. You know what I'm saying? Like, getting out there and rescuing people from the darkness that is the world that right. everybody, whether you're religious or not, understands is very present and very thick and very real. But then more than that, it talks about how the people who are rescued become the display of God's power and splendor. Right. And that's so beautiful because just as you're saying, you know, we have to love our neighbor as ourselves, oftentimes the appointment-based evangelism 
boils down to, like I said, kind of Christian capitalism. We're trying to just get people in the door and find our validation there. And these people are less of people to us and more of numbers and goals right, to yes. kind of, you know, inflate uh, our situations. Because, like, honestly, think about it. How much effort would it take? Let's say you had, I don't know, 100 people come out to a discussion of yours. Right. Like, are you willing to have each of those people in your home, you know, to feed each of those people, to sit down and, and, and talk through what's really going on in those people's lives? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't want 100 people come to our discussions. Right. But I'm saying that, like, our desire should really be connection, should really be finding out you know, who these people are and desiring for them to be as close to us as our own brothers, as our own families, as our own communities, and then treating them and serving them and loving them in a way like that is what displays God's goodness. You know, Jesus looked at the crowds and saw that they were harassed and helpless. He says he had compassion on them. And I think so often that's personally, that cannot be my view. My view can be like, all right, you know, uh, how many people are we going to, quote, unquote, save this semester? You know what I'm saying? And honestly, as a minister, it is a very big struggle of mine, or it's always in the back of my mind of it's going to reflect well on me right? if X amount of people come. come to my event, rather than, like, what is, who is God calling me to be for these people and calling my ministry to be for these people? Uh, you know, Perry, you, you bring this up, and I'm glad you did, because I think, um, and again, I want to make it very clear, should we do appointment-based evangelism? Yes. I think it, it, it has its use, and it's effective. I do think that if it's the only thing that we do, what we end up creating is a culture that at its core is about the transaction and not about the people. Right. And... Um, like you said, it, it, it then becomes about the numbers. Mm -hmm. And what I find fascinating about Jesus is that he did not care about the numbers. Right. Like, if anything, he preached purposely in a way <laughs> to drive people away. Right. Like, if you read some of the Gospels early on in his ministry, Jesus had a lot of people follow him. Right. And then at some point, he preached something that was really hard and then those same huge crowds left in droves because they were like, right. this is too hard. We, right. can't, we can't do it. And interestingly enough, one of the things that made people go away was his teaching mm -hmm. about loving your neighbor right. as yourself. You right. know what I mean? Like, that's one of the things that people were like, we can't. We can't do that. Right. And, and again, like, I feel like at the end of the day, the kingdom of God, man, is supposed to be a transformative force in the lives of people. Like when people come in contact with the kingdom of God, they're supposed to be changed. Right. Not because of the transaction, but because of the nature of the kingdom itself. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and we've alluded, we've talked about this before on one of our podcasts uh, about the prophecy in Ezekiel mm -hmm. and like the temple coming out of the, the water coming out of the temple and right. how, like the the new kingdom of Israel, which is the church, right, was going to be this this force that just brought life to everywhere it went. Right. And early on in the book of Acts, like that is what you see. The early church was a life giving organism. Everywhere it went, like new 
life w- lives were renewed, the sick were healed, all of these things. And even though, depending on how you, you, you fall in the theological spectrum, uh, we can't necessarily perform the miracles that the apostles could perform, sure. right? But we can be all of the other things. Absolutely. We could be generous and kind and serve the community and give and take care of one another. Yeah. And like, just like it says in Acts 2, like people were in awe right. at seeing all the things that the kingdom of God was producing. Right. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Recently, I had a conversation with, with somebody, and we were talking about this, and one of the things that they talked about is how uh, this guy is a church leader, uh, Will Archer. Shout out to Will Archer. Come on. Awesome dude. Uh, and one of the things that we were talking about is how he's basically come to the to this conclusion where he doesn't care about how many people come to church. Mm. Because what he cares about is about making disciples, people who have been transformed Mm -hmm. legitimately by the kingdom of God. Right. And the reality is, is that if we really preach the gospel in all of its fullness, right? When we talk about the things that are awesome and exciting, but we also talk about the things that are hard. When we not only bring truth to people, we also bring comfort to them. Mm -hmm. When we challenge people to live a different life, but we also serve them, right? When we do all of those things, ultimately what we're creating is an environment in which God can work. Absolutely. And then God does the work. One of the things that fascinates me about the way that Jesus talks about the kingdom is that most of the times when he talks about it, he talks about it as this like self-replicating thing. Like he talks right. about like it's like a man that goes out and throws seed and it falls and it grows and without you noticing it, it goes from being a seed to being in a big old tree. Right. Like that's how he talks about the kingdom of God is this right. thing that like just grows and reproduces, right. not through a mechanism that we've come up with, right. but just because that's the nature of the kingdom. Right. And I think instead of being worried about how many people are coming to our Bible discussions or to all of those things, I think what we need to really worry about is the question of, like, are we creating an environment that is the kingdom of God? Right. Like, are we really creating an environment in which seed can fall in it and it's going to grow? Yeah. And I think one of the best ways to do that is really to ask the question of, are we creating a culture that is transactional right. or a culture that is relational? Right. And I think the, the difficult thing is that you can count very easily how many people are coming to your church or to your event or to any of those things to sort of like measure like how close people are getting or how many friends does someone have or do people really feel loved and taken care of? That's a little bit more difficult to quantify. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, Perry, when it exists, it is palpable. Like, right. you feel it. Right. And I think, if I'm honest, like, I think we're, we're comfortable with that. We're uncomfortable with that idea of, like, like to go from something that we can count to something that we feel, Mm -hmm. I think for many of us is not an easy uh, or logical transition. Right. Well, so the thing that comes to my mind is in Hebrews 12, it talks about 
make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Uh, and then it says, see, uh, see to it that no one misses the grace of God, right? And, and that scripture has, has been kind of berating me over the head and, and, and exploding out of my heart for the past several weeks and months, I think, because in the entirety of the Old Testament, you have this concept of the Israelites saying over and over again, and then you will know that there was a God in Israel, yes. right? Yeah. And there's this notion of at the, in the garden, there was this break that happened. We lost connection with God, um, and then... Because people don't know God, they do horrible, horrible things, and, and this is the whole history of humanity. But now, Jesus comes, you know, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only Christ, has made him known, and gives us the perfect image of God. And then he promises to transform us to be little hymns, to look like him, so that people will see God not only through the scriptures, but through our lives as well. And I think oftentimes, and this is something we have to remember, that inviting someone to church doesn't mean you look like Jesus. Right. And so, like, in our own personal lives, it should be our goal, one, for us to personally see God. But then to live in such a way, which Hebrews 12 says, which means you need to live, make every effort to live at peace with everyone, right? To, to view everyone as if they are part of your community where there is peace and safety and all the things that that you would find in a household, in a family, right? That live at peace with everyone because when you do that and when you are holy in that way, people will see God. And I think oftentimes congregations and ministries and, and however you want to put it, even individual Christians, they trade the kind of practice of going out and talking a lot inviting people to things, but when they bring people to the things, people don't see right. the kingdom. They don't see they God. They don't feel it, right. They don't feel it, right. And exactly, when I say see, obviously I'm right. not talking about sight, but they don't understand or the, the power of God is not tangible there because I would argue that the individual Christian who is just checking off boxes has, as uh, Matthew says in the parable of the sower, like that's a misunderstanding of what the kingdom is. And that is where Satan works where he snatches the seed, and people have no chance, right. even when there are Christians around, to really let the seed flourish in their own hearts. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it, one of the, the, the things that I think is important we talk about as we're having this conversation is, what would the alternative look like? Because mm. even um, one of the conversations, I lead a small group, right? And one of the conversations that we've had in talking about this topic is uh, how... Uh, one of the other downsides of appointment evangelism is that we sort of set these times and these events to do evangelistic things, but how, like, especially for, for the majority of us, most of our time in a given day is spent at work. Sure. And here you are, Monday through Friday, sometimes Monday through Saturday, going to this one place that's filled with people, mm -hmm. interacting with those people every day, and sometimes that is... These people that you see day in and day out are the last people that right. you ever think, I'm going to share the gospel with these people. Right. I'm going to, to show the kingdom of God to these people. And let me say this. I understand, because I also work, mm -hmm. that uh, the office may not necessarily be, A, the most conducive, and B, the best place for you to just pull out your Bible and begin to just like, you know, shoot scriptures at people. Right. However, all that being said, if 
we are the kingdom, if we're the temple of God, then I think we have a great opportunity in our lives for those of us who work, for those of us who go to school, to literally bring the kingdom of God to all of those places by the way we behave. Conduct. Yes. Like when you're the most humble person at your job, at your school, when people know, like, when your superiors know, like, you know what, this is not a person that I'm going to have to argue with all the time. And if they need help, they're going to come and ask questions. Right. Right? Guess what? You're going to be liked. Right. People are going to wonder, like, what is this guy? Right. What is this lady? Like, why does she behave this way? When you are the most helpful person in the office, when you're kind and you go out of your way to help other people and take care of other people, dude, like, the workplace can be such a cutthroat, like, backstabbing place. Right. But when you refuse to engage in that kind of behavior and actually be kind and helpful and, like, collaborative with people, and people know, like, you know what? That guy's a jerk. Right. That that person, man, like, I love them. Right. They're great to work with. (laughs) Like, at every... When you are doing those things, at every turn, you're opening the door for the kingdom of God to literally come upon this person. Right. And it opens a door for when you have the opportunity to share a scripture, to talk about Jesus, to talk about your life Mm -hmm. in Jesus, to do all of those things, because the door's already sort of been cracked open. Like, when you finally bring it, man, like, when you happen to go on that trip or you happen to go to, like, the restaurant after work or something... Now that you're not in that environment, like the door's wide open for you to like to to say something. Yeah. And when you say, you know what, I'm a Christian, I believe in this and that, they'll be like, well, that makes sense. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And and again, like I think we we so easily don't necessarily value the opportunity that we have Mm. to legitimately bring the kingdom of God to people. And the, the thing, the sad part is that we don't necessarily think that's going to make a difference. Right. But it makes a huge difference. Right, right, exactly. And I, I even think what you're saying, what people more oftentimes do is they err on the side of self-righteousness, right? So right. the whole be holy, because if you're not, no one will see the Lord. So they think, okay, well, I'm going to be this, well, I don't do that, I don't do that, I don't curse, I don't have sex, you know? And, and they become these weird people in these environments that seem to look down on other people and kind of have this air of, quote-unquote righteousness about them, but that misses the whole first part of make every effort to live at peace with everyone. And I think as we think about being representatives, kind of pockets of the kingdom on earth, like it should be our desire and our understanding that everything we do, if we call ourselves Christians, is going to reflect back on God and Jesus. Right. And so... Like, when we teach people not to like us because of our attitudes or because of the way we treat people or because of our lack of humility, what we're teaching people, without even preaching or opening the Bible, what we're teaching people is that how that's how God right. is, and that's how Jesus is. And it's a, we can so easily, by our misconduct, give people a, people a false vision of who God is. But when we truly are in the scriptures, and we understand what God requires of us, that is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. Right. Like, it is impossible for people to not see that and not to be impacted by that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I think 
dude, like, we need to have this mentality of, like, you know what? I'm going to go places, and I'm going to make friends, man. Like, yep. I'm going to go and give and, like... And I think part of the part of the scary part is that I think being a lot of times being quote unquote the good person at the office sort of leaves you vulnerable. Sure. And uh, sometimes like it could come across as like oh I can run over that person, but I think even like even when you have the opportunity, Perry, to like stand up for yourself and do it in a way that isn't yelling or cursing people out and being firm and being like. At the same time, like, being strong and, like, strong but kind. Right. Right? Like, even that, like, gives us the opportunity to be, like, you know what? I know how people deal with adversity. I'm not going to deal with adversity right. in that way. And so, like, when we decide, man, like, I'm going, not only, not only am I trying to preach the truth to people, but I'm going to be the kingdom of God for people. I'm going to be right. the, the reference point for people to understand what the kingdom of God is. Right. Then, like, we have all of these opportunities to evangelize. Right. And I think that it should diversify the people that we have in our lives. Meaning I think when we just do appointment-based evangelism, what we trap ourselves into is only spending time with quote-unquote potential converts. Right. Oh, we'll love you. You know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll be all the good stuff we need to be if I see that you are kind of, you know, you've, you've taken the bait and you're, you're coming closer. <laughs> but, like, what about the atheist? Right. You know? who has no desire to know God or to see God, like being his friend or her friend is going to be a lot more important and being genuinely invested in them right. is going to be a lot more important. And I'm not even saying like hammering them over the head with what you think is the truth, but just showing them what you believe is the truth. Absolutely. By loving them and by being their friend. So I, I think it's going to diversify. Like not only are you going to hang out with people who, yes, are interested in God and Jesus, but you are going to be able to create the influence with those who have no interest in God and Jesus or might be of a completely different religion um, and be able to open the door for them to actually see. And you see that in the Old Testament. So often, you know, people are getting thrown in lion's dens and stuff, but right. because of their conduct and the kind of people they are, the pagan kings would be like, oh. There is a God. There is a God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and bow down before him. Yeah, dude. That is such a great point, and I think a, a perfect place to end the discussion. I just, uh, again, and I think every time we talk, we have one of these conversations, right? I don't want to make it seem like uh, a lot of the stuff that, that we do or some of the things that we engage in are necessarily bad things. I don't think uh, appointment-based evangelism is a bad thing. Sure. I think it, it, again, I think it has its place. Absolutely. And... Uh, in some cases, it is effective. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is we can't just be trapped in uh, narrowing what it is that we bring to people. Right. Because ultimately, evangelism isn't just about, like, people being converted. It's not just about, like, preaching the truth to people. Evangelism is about bringing the, the, the kingdom of God, the real the whole good news right. to people. Right. And I feel like as we think of reaching out to our communities, as we think of bringing people to, to Jesus, right, it is so much better and so much less burdensome right. and so much more exciting to think of it in terms of we're bringing the kingdom of God to people and we're not just showing up to a place to invite people to stuff. Right. And so hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation. I know that we have. Yep. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, 
uh, you can do so with me on Twitter or on Instagram at uh, Rodrigo Ether. Perry, give him your social media handle. Uh, my Instagram is Trimbler of Days. Trimble of Days. And also, if you just want to leave comments on this video, if you enjoy our conversation about evangelism, if you agree or disagree, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are uh, equal opportunity comment readers. You don't have to agree with us. <laughs> if anything, we, we, if you disagree, we'd love to engage in a conversation about yeah. it. I yeah. think having discussions like this ultimately makes us all better, and we're open to it. And uh, thank you so much for watching slash listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.